Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, a biopharmaceutical business that is pushing the boundaries of science to deliver new cancer medicines. More information at AstraZeneca-US.com. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Drs. Anise Chagpar and Stephen Gore. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about the care of patients with multiple myeloma with Dr. Natalia Naparadze. Dr. Naparadze is an assistant professor of medicine and medical oncology at the Yale School of Medicine. Dr. Gore is a professor of internal medicine and hematology at Yale and director of hematologic malignancies at the Yale Cancer Center. Now, when I think about multiple myeloma, you know, I, I, it's, I'm struck by when you read about it in the newspaper, they often call it bone cancer. Is that correct? It is a disease of the bone marrow, um, which forms all of the precursor blood cells. Uh-huh. And myeloma is a disease that comes out of these forms of forms of white blood cells called plasma cells. Okay. Uh, plasma cells grow gradually and overgrow in the bone marrow, leading to gradual bone loss, and ultimately leading to these thinned bone lesions called lytic lesions. And they can produce this protein, abnormal protein called M protein or monoclonal protein, which then and circulates in the bloodstream and can be toxic to the kidneys and other organs. I see. So, so it is a disease of a bone marrow and blood. Right. So the only part that's really about the bone is that it it seems to have this effect on thinning the bone and causing problems with the bone as as one aspect of its manifestation. That's correct. Is that, right? that is the one aspect. Majority of the cases, myeloma is confined to the bones and bone marrow, but there are cases when myeloma cells come out of the bone marrow and infiltrate soft tissues and other organs. Mm-hmm. And so that's different than a bone cancer, like say we remember when Ted Kennedy Jr., uh, when he was a kid, had uh, what they called osteosarcoma. That's that's really a cancer of bone cells. This that's is not, correct. right? This is is a blood or hematopoietic malignancy which comes out of a type of white blood cells, plasma cells. Gotcha. And um, and when I was coming up in my training, you know, multiple myeloma had really a very grim prognosis. And we would think that, you know, usually when people were diagnosed, they, they often had a lot of problems like kidney failure, as you mentioned, these fractures in the bones and, and other problems. And as I recall, their their average survival was something like three years, which was pretty, pretty grim. That's correct. Even as recently as 15, 20 years ago, majority of the patients only survived for three to five years. Mm. And with the advent of all of the newer therapies, the survival has been extended to at least 10 years and much longer. Wow. Well, how has that happened? Can you walk us through the changes? So um, there's been really a tremendous progress and truly revolutionary changes in the treatment of myeloma over the course of past 10 to 15 years. I think the first step was really the development of immunomodulatory uh, molecules. Cool, that, that's a lot of syllables. Um, these are tar- type of immune therapy, oral okay. immune um modulating agents that boost immune system by producing certain types of immune cells to fight the multiple myeloma. Oh, wow. And the first line of these agents were really the thalidomide, lenalidomide, pomalidomide. These are effective agents that are used as the cornerstones of myeloma therapy. Thalidomide, the notorious drug that caused uh, congenital deformities uh, in the 60s, right? That's correct. 
it, there is this um, tragic saga associated with it. Mm-hmm. But later on, it was found to be effective in multiple myeloma through the variety of these immune mechanisms and mm-hmm. maybe by targeting certain vessels as well, gotcha. which um, modulates uh, bone marrow environment such that it's able to fight multiple myeloma clone. Cool. So you've got this uh, thalidomide and these two other drugs that are similar but but newer. Correct. Although they've been around uh, and approved for clinical use over the past 10 years and longer, some of them. Um, and then the next breakthrough was development of proteosome inhibitors, which are also, um, some are oral and others are injectable type okay. of tr- treatments that uh, also modulate type of protein environment within the myeloma cell so that it leads to the killing of myeloma cells. Okay. And the first of these agents was bortezomib, also known as Velcade, and yep. that was the cornerstone of therapy in um, for the past 10, 15 years now. Um, it's likely going to be replaced gradually by other more potent agents, and these are for instance, carfilzomib and other drugs that are working in a similar way. Uh Gotcha. And the next great progress and truly a breakthrough was in... But wait, there's more. (laughs) uh, 2015, which really was a remarkable year for the myeloma treatment, led to approval of three new drugs, out of which two were um, immune-targeted monoclonal antibodies. Okay. So these are antibody large protein molecules that are targeting certain surface receptors on the myeloma cell. Hmm. And these were the so-called daratumumab, which targets a specific receptor on the myeloma cell, and another one called elotuzumab, which is a um, t- also a targeted agent um, binding to myeloma cells and other immune cells within bone marrow. And that same year, there was also an approval granted to this agent, uh, orally available drug called panobinostat, which also modulates protein environment of the myeloma cell. Well, that's a lot of changes in a very short period of time compared to some of the cancers that that I treat, uh, some of which didn't have a new drug for about 20 years until that's recently. Correct. Yeah. So, wow, it sounds like you've got so many new drugs, so now you don't have to use chemotherapy drugs anymore, right? So we use less and less of the old-fashioned chemotherapy cytotoxic drugs like alkylating agents, the old drugs that uh, some of some of which are still used, but less and less often. Mm-hmm. For instance, cyclophosphamide is still used in certain cases where we need to attain rapid control of the disease, treat them actively. And that's um, one of the oldest chemotherapy that's, drugs, right? That is. Mm-hmm. That is. Um, but truly, to this day, With the advent of all of these new targeted agents, we really don't know what is the best ideal first-line treatment for initially diagnosed myeloma patients and what is the best ideal treatment for patients who have a subsequent relapse or recurrent disease when myeloma returns. Well, well, how common is multiple myeloma? Do you know how many cases per year in the United States or anything like that? It really is a rare cancer from the standpoint of prevalence because it really represents less than 2% of all cancers. Mm -hmm. And out of blood and hematologic malignancies, it represents on the order of 18 to 20% of all hematologic cancers. And so and then each case is unique in its own different signature. Mm-hmm. So can't be treated as one uh, disease, one unified disease, but rather subsets of multiple different variants of it. Hmm. 
Well, I'm going to have you walk me through sort of how you make decisions or how the patient makes decisions about therapy. But, but before we get to that, how do patients find out that they have multiple myeloma? How would you know? So uh, multiple myeloma is uniformly preceded by this precursor state called monoclonal gammopathy of undetermined significance. Well, you guys like a lot of syllables and a lot of words. Um, these, these silent clinical state, which can be ongoing for several years until it becomes clinically manifested. It gradually accelerates and becomes a, an early stage myeloma, which we refer to as asymptomatic, or the other term used is smoldering multiple myeloma, which to this day, by standard of care does not require active treatment. Hmm. And these states are completely asymptomatic and silent, do so not lead to any symptoms. So you might not know you had them. You may not know it. and uh, Or patients may have vague symptoms like gradual onset of back pain, bone pain, uh, subtle changes in urination. Or at times, these changes could be picked up uh, through primary care, general practitioner, routine blood tests, such as common, uh, common blood, complete blood counts and electrolyte levels. Hmm. Okay, so um, let's say that you haven't been particularly sick and uh, your internist didn't pick up on a subtle change. So when do you find out you've got, you've got a problem? The um, large majority of cases now, uh, with, with the advent of you know, primary care intervention and screening, um, they do get picked up based on some of the routine blood tests. Gotcha. Um, and anemia is detected or kidney impairment is detected or elevated protein level is detected in the form of elevated globulins. And this leads to further investigation and referral to a hematologist. But unfortunately, we still see cases where the full blood myeloma gets presented at a very advanced stage when there's um, diffuse uh, uh, lesions and areas of bone thinning throughout the bones. Mm. In some cases, patients even develop uh, terrible fractures involving the vertebral bodies, the spine or hips and need urgent emergent surgery and uh, treatment uh, in the hospital. It sounds very painful potentially. It is, and pain, and particularly bone pain, is a unfortunately a large component of um, suffering for the patients in myeloma. Hmm. Gotcha. So better in this case to really find out at an early stage before that happens. Absolutely. Just like in other diseases in medicine, including cardiovascular disease, where prevention is really the key um, to avoid life-threatening events, so too in myeloma there are strategies being developed in order to address myeloma in these early stages, stages of so-called asymptomatic or smoldering disease. And more and more research is being conducted so that we can intervene early and prevent organ-related critical complications. Mm -hmm. So if um, if somebody has one of these abnormal blood tests, is that sufficient to make a diagnosis of multiple myeloma or are there other tests required? Certainly uh, additional testing is required and these involve certain type of blood tests and urine tests as well as x-rays. But really more and more we're using advanced imaging modalities e including uh, either PET scan or uh, magnetic resonance imaging. MRI. MRI. Um, and ultimately the um, Definitive diagnosis is based on the bone marrow aspiration and biopsy and getting the sample of the bone marrow so that a hematopathologist can give us a definitive diagnosis of multiple myeloma. I see. Okay, so um, so a patient has gone through all this stuff and hopefully they're still in pretty good shape and they've had their bone marrow test and these MRIs and such and now they... 
they come to you or they come to any doctor, let's say they don't come to you, let's say they come to their local oncologist, uh, it seems like the local oncologist has now a whole laundry list of drugs that she can use. Um, you know, how does one uh, you know, sort through the morass of uh, options? So the first question that gets asked at the time of initial diagnostic workup is, of course, does the disease have actual myeloma-defining critical uh, components such as um, low, low blood counts or bone lesions or extreme elevation in the proteins called the free light chains? And if none of these criteria are met, then a patient might have this smoldering or early stage disease called asymptomatic myeloma. And in those cases, I would really urge all of the hematologists and clinicians to consider enrolling them on therapeutic clinical trials, mm. because this is the area where care is really not very well defined. There's been a couple of studies examining the role of this drug, oral drug called lenalidomide, mm -hmm. which prevents progression of disease, but ultimately does not improve overall survival. So the question that gets asked is all these novel agents, including monoclonal, protein, antibodies, and targeted therapies, can they be incorporated in this early stage of disease? So the asymptomatic or smoldering myeloma is really an area which needs further investigation. And standard of care by textbook would be observation. But okay. um, patients and clinicians are really encouraged to offer offer them participation in clinical trials, many oh. of which are open at uh, Yale Cancer Center. <laughs> okay. And at other cancer centers as well, I'm sure. Um, well, this is really fascinating, and I'm going to want to follow up on what happens to the people who have more than the asymptomatic multiple myeloma. But right now, we're going to take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more about multiple myeloma with Dr. Natalia Naparidze. Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, a biopharmaceutical business with a deep-rooted heritage in oncology and a commitment for developing cancer medicines for patients. Learn more at AstraZeneca-US.com. This is a medical minute about head and neck cancers. Although the percentage of oral and head and neck cancer patients in the United States is only about 5% of all diagnosed cancers, there are challenging side effects associated with these types of cancer and their treatment. Clinical trials are currently underway to test innovative new treatments for head and neck cancers, and in many cases, less radical surgeries are able to preserve nerves, arteries, and muscles in the neck, enabling patients to move, speak, breathe, and eat normally after surgery. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Stephen Gore. I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Natalia Neparadze, and we are discussing the care of patients with multiple myeloma. Natalia, before the break, um, you were telling me uh, you'd walk me through how people get diagnosed with multiple myeloma and that for patients with a, kind of a low-grade disease or asymptomatic disease, you've, as you've mentioned, the standard of care would be to uh, just observe the patient, but there are clinical trials investigating whether an intervention at that time might help prevent progression of the disease, I guess, right, or make people live longer. Correct. So what about the patients who have, you know, bona fide 
disease that needs to be actively treated, that anybody would agree to need to be treated. They still have a lot of drugs to choose from, right? Absolutely. And um, treatment paradigm is continuously changing and evolving for multiple myeloma, especially with the advent of all of these new drugs and targeted agents. So the old-fashioned standard of care, which is still being done, would consist of drugs like um, immunomodulatory drugs um, yep. that are mentioned before, oral agents like lenalidomide in combination with proteos some inhibitors um, and, and combined with steroids. Um, this would be followed by inappropriate patients um, uh, by high-dose melphalon and stem cell transplant, which can be considered in certain cases of wow. younger patients. And ultimately, once the patients achieve remission following this therapy, we would certainly offer them continuation of maintenance therapy, which is the cornerstone in myeloma treatment, because ultimately, to this day, myeloma is considered not curable. And... Um, Ultimately, uh, virtually everybody will develop recurrent or relapsing disease, and therefore continuous treatment with oral maintenance agents is the current standard of care. Mm. And because we do not know uh, what is the ideal uh, initial treatment for these patients, again, here the um, emphasis is to consider enrolling patients um, on clinical studies, which may offer uh, treatment with uh, further novel therapies and monoclonal antibodies. In fact, there's been a couple of studies that's already been published, and we are more and more going to be utilizing these targeted monoclonal protein antibodies like daratumumab in the frontline initial treatment of patients with multiple myeloma. Hmm. So you, you had mentioned that right now you don't consider the disease to be curable, but I thought you said people were getting stem cell transplants. I thought stem cell transplants were curative therapy. Um, not for multiple myeloma, unfortunately. It definitely does extend the duration of remission, mm -hmm. and it prolongs the progression-free interval. Uh, but ultimately, with or without the high-dose melphalan and autologous stem cell transplant, uh, both groups, with or without transplant, uh, live about the same duration, same longevity. So they have a longer remission, uh, but but the disease still comes back. Exactly. And this is a transplant where people's own cells are given back, not not a donor cell. Is exactly. That right? So once the patient gets treated with the initial treatment for a number of few months, this is then followed by um, filtration of the patient's own autologous stem cells, mm. and high-dose melphalan is given as part of the purging to eradicate any residual plasma cells from the body and then infuse their own stem cells back. Mm. So it knocks it down, but it doesn't knock it out. It doesn't completely eradicate the disease, uh -huh. and therefore more novel and um, more promising immune therapies are needed for that stage of disease, which ultimately likely goes going to uh, gradually replace the old-fashioned melphalon, and these are going to be likely in the form of um, newer immunotherapies and cell therapies, which are likely going to advance treatment and potentially make it curable disease. Hmm. Could you tell us something about any of these new therapies? So there's really a rapid expansion of the field with all these newer agents. On one hand, we have more and more of these 
protein um, antibody targeted uh, monoclonal antibodies. On the other hand, we have antibodies that are coupled with the toxic drug that deliver the um, drug directly to the myeloma cells and target them directly. These are called antibody drug conjugates. So basically like a missile with a chemotherapy warhead to Ex attack the cell. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, there are uh, there is another approach with monoclonal antibodies called bispecific T-cell engager antibodies, which Oof. on one hand bind multiple myeloma, and on the other hand, they engage immune system and boost the um, person's immunity such that it fights the multiple myeloma clone. And ultimately, there are these cell therapies, um, which... Um, really is um, entering the field of myeloma earlier and earlier in the course of disease. And these are called so-called chimeric antigen receptor T-cells and other types of cell uh, therapies, including modified T-cells, engineered T-cells, which will be developed out of pa either patient's own blood or from a donor's blood and targeted so that it eradicates um, multiple myeloma. Well, how can you take a patient's own immune cells, which clearly are not fighting the myeloma in the body, and engineer them to fight the myeloma? Well, what's involved with that? It involves this procedure called um, apheresis or uh, leuco uh, leukocyte collection. Uh -huh. um, uh, which collects persons on lymphoid cells. These lymphoid cells are later modified um, in the syringe um, to express certain type of um, uh, warheads on the surface. Uh, in some cases, these cells are genetically modified to express these. Mm. And uh, once this product of uh, patients' own T cells, the modified T cells, is mature and uh, readily available for use, these cells are reinfused into the patient's bloodstream. Like a transfusion? It's similar to transfusion, but a lot more involved. <laughs> gotcha. And then these modified T cells somehow are able now to recognize and fight the myeloma cells. Is that right? Exactly, because they're targeted against certain relevant targets and receptors on the surface of multiple myeloma cells. Majority of these cases for myeloma, the receptor that's commonly used as a target is something called B-cell maturation antigen or BCMA. Gotcha. And others. Uh-huh. And how, how sci-fi is this? I mean, are any of these things going to be prime time anytime soon? This is very much the reality in our um, current uh, practice. Um, not all of these targeted therapies with T-cell therapies are currently investigational and available through therapeutic clinical trials. But I would anticipate that in the coming um, several years, they may receive uh, approval from FDA and may be utilized for the treatment of myeloma. Well, that's, that's really amazing. So... Um Gosh, it sounds like there's a, a lot for patients at every stage um, to to think about and consider, um, and uh, you know there really probably is a reason to to see a myeloma expert at least uh, as a second opinion and helping guide your oncologist, um, unless your oncologist is really a myeloma specialist. I agree. I think that will be an opportunity for the patient to be able to see a specialist and be able to have access to all of the novel research drugs, which potentially can be life-saving and can have durable um, 
good influence on their outcomes. Yeah. Now, now I understand that your uh, group at Yale has recently uh, made a move away from the downtown campus. That's correct. This is an expanded um, site um, of multiple myeloma program, which allows us to have a lot more space to conduct our clinical care as well as um, therapeutic clinical trials and research. Mm. And so the new Myeloma Center for Yale is in North Haven, as I understand it. That's correct, in North Haven, and um, it um, provides access, uh, easy access to patients uh, location-wise, as well as a, a lot bigger space um, and uh, state-of-the-art technology. Wow, and they can get what they need there and without uh, often having to come downtown if, if that's if that's uh, convenient for them, is that right? Absolutely. Well, that's, that's pretty neat, and, and all of you myeloma doctors are out there. That's true, uh-huh. yes. So it's like, it's like a home away from home for you guys. It's a, it's our new domain. Gotcha. Um, I think it must be f- so fascinating, uh, and of course I've witnessed this in my career from a distance, but uh, you've really, uh, in your shorter-term <laughs> career, uh, in uh, as a blood malign, excuse me, blood malignancy expert, really seen a tremendous ev- evolution uh, of outcomes for your patients. Um, that's correct. Um, so in 2006, seven, and eight, when I was still in training, we were just beginning to utilize the drugs like lenalidomide and bortezomib that had just come to market at that time. And that sounds uh, old-fashioned now already, <laughs> <laughs> some 15 years later. Well, I can tell you that uh, earlier than that, uh, I was around when bortezomib was being developed as a phase one drug, that is to say, just trying to see what levels were toxic. And um, there was concern uh, that um, that it wasn't going to find a disease for which it was active. It was almost thrown out uh, in studies from the National Cancer Institute before this uh, information about myeloma kind of stuck. So, you know, just to give you some perspective from just before your time, that drug almost got tossed out. That's quite fascinating. (laughs) And it shows you how important um, it it is to conduct rigorous um, clinical trials and pursue the answers through developmental therapeutics and research, because this is the only way we define how to best treat our patients and how to improve the care and outcomes. I almost feel like it's not fair that you get to enjoy all these good outcomes without having had to, uh, you know, suffer with your patients for years and years of that I think the suffering has changed and it's become different. <laughs> so now we deal with, I think with the advent of the new drugs, there comes a responsibility on the part of physicians for dealing with all of these newer side effects that are emerging and just beginning to be defined. But I think we're becoming more and more uh, educated in how to deal with these. And so in the hands of a specialist, generally these side effects are uh, manageable and um, can be dealt with. Yeah, no, I I know that when I see uh, some of the myeloma patients, when I'm um, providing inpatient care uh, at the hospital at Yale and I cover for other physicians, um, you know, I, I, I try to stay up to date, but I am impressed how my knowledge of myeloma has certainly uh, been eclipsed to the point where I wouldn't refer myself to see me for multiple myeloma. It's, it's just too complicated. It is becoming complicated and really um, 
um, in a good immune way. driven in in a good way and with so many different targets and more and more drugs coming down the pike um, it is becoming somewhat confusing and generally once again participation in research and clinical trials is encouraged so that we can give the opportunity to our patients to receive something novel something that will lead to clinical progress and help them go into remission and stay in remission I know a lot of people when they hear about clinical research they're afraid they're going to be given placebo or sugar pills is, is that something people should be concerned about in this country placebo would not be part of the study unless it's conducted fairly. Um, we Generally, most of our phase one and phase two trials do not involve placebo. And um, in uh, in the cl- therapeutic clinical contexts nowadays in myeloma, it's very rare to have a, just the placebo as a comparator arm. Right. We would compare it to, for instance, current standard of care, but not to, I don't think it would be considered ethical um, to um, give placebo unless it is part of standard of care to do just the observation. So you might have uh, the standard drugs that you would otherwise use used and add a new drug or a placebo to the same drugs either way. So they're getting the same That's package mm-hmm. with either an extra drug that may or may not help or a placebo. So they're still getting the standard drug. That's correct. They would absolutely still be getting the uh, standard drug for the advanced clinical myeloma. They don't need to worry that they're getting less efficient care. No, I, I definitely see participation in clinical studies and research as an advantage and as an opportunity for patients, which gives them a chance to receive something novel and uh, it helps them and it helps other patients with the same diagnosis. Dr. Natalia Naparadze is an assistant professor of medicine and medical oncology at the Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio.